Kids Comics. We're here to make you depressed and think about death and sad stuff. One, two, three, four. Comic books. An art form early alive. We can rebuild them. We have the technology. With digital downloads and bookstore penetration, which sounds a bit rude, we can make them better than they were before. Better. Stronger. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Michael Leyland. Hello, everybody. Hello, everyone. And welcome to the show. That intro will probably give away what we're covering. Maybe. Well, maybe the post quote, post picture give away what we were covering. And the title of the episode. And the title of the episode. It's useless trying to keep this a secret, isn't it? It Why is. Why bother? Mm. Draws people in if they know what you're covering. Or sends people away. That works as well. It does. But uh, before we continue, I do wish to point out that this very week, as this is recorded, I had the distinct pleasure and delight of being on my Star Wars story, which is a podcast Mm -hmm. about Star Wars. I see. In which people are invited on by the wonderful host, lovely host, Mr. Mm -hmm. Scott Ryphon, to tell the Star Wars story. See how it works? Uh, Yeah. It's a great show. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I was on it this week, and I had a really good time talking to Scott, and it ended up being a really good episode, despite me. Yeah. (laughs) Because I don't normally listen back to my stuff. When I'm a guest on, so I have to listen to this drivel because I have to edit it. There is that. But I listened back to it, and, you know, I actually forgot I was listening to me. It was actually quite quite an entertaining so listen. Roasting your own story. I was so because it was dredging up things I hadn't thought about in years, and there was things like, "Oh, I wish I'd mentioned that." Oh, I wish I'd mentioned that. <laughs> as you're going through it, why do I remember this now? But it was great, and Scott was lovely, and he did a really good job of putting it all together. And he was a very generous host and editor. He cut an awful lot of himself out of it oh, yeah. to make the focus on the guest, in which case me. Yes. But I presume he did that for everybody, <laughs> not yeah. just me, which is very ego-free of him. So I just want to throw out a thank you to Scott and say as well, if you've never listened to my Star Wars story, go ahead and listen to it, because not only is it a great show, but you get some uh, some great people on it, including professionals. David McLean's been on it, and uh, mm. John Jackson Miller's going to be on it. It was great. It was great, great, great. I've said great enough, do you think? So go and check that out, my Star Wars story at mystarwarsstory.com. It's a brilliant show, and I had a lot of good fun talking to Scott about it. And Scott's actually, we pretend... Mm. To, to be internet radio host but he's a proper radio host he's a pro does he have proper recording equipment he has a proper radio show right on the radio on the radio actual proper radio show right mm. we just we just dick about we do he does it for real he doesn't need any second takes no <laughs> no no he doesn't That's need terrifying. second takes it is yeah <laughs> Scott doesn't need post production <laughs> we do <laughs> <laughs> so it was great. I had a really good time. Thank you very much, Scott. Uh, have you got anything to talk about this day? No, I don't think I do. I have a Star Wars story, actually. Do you not have a Star Wars story? You raised me on it, and that's it. <laughs> I used to be terrified of the rancor, and I hid back I was the raised a lonely, poor black man. <laughs> which is a quote from The Jerk, before anyone gets on my back. Have you ever seen The Jerk by I Steve Martin? I have not. Very funny film. Okay. Gotta be a wise shopper these days. I love The Jerk. It's a very funny film. Uh, no, I do not have anything to talk about. So you have nothing to say. No. So your lips are sealed. Oh, okay. the, the Batgirl variant cover being pulled. What about it? I don't like it. 
Well, you don't like the cover? No, I don't like it being pulled. <laughs> yeah, but you'll just have people get on your back when you say stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I, they're all in hiding behind keyboards. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them. Should we do an email before you get into trouble? <laughs> oh, this email is titled Of Delby and Desire, and it's from the mighty Chris Franklin. Hello, Leyland. Hello, Chris. Now I'm going to be saying Delby for the rest of the weekend. And now you're going to be saying it for another weekend. Delby. The idea of doom particularly Andy's version of Doom interacting with Eddie Murphy's donkey is something I want to see made reality now. It depends how you want to see him interacting with the donkey. (laughs) Doom will stick his gloved (laughs) fist up donkey's ass if donkey does not do what Doom requires. I'm making waffle smash! You're making nothing. I am making burger from donkey. Donkey waffles. Donkey waffles. Can you make burgers from donkey? I'm assuming so. They've got meat, haven't they? I can't imagine Doom tolerating Donkey for any great amount of time. You can make horse burgers, so Donkey's just a smaller, smellier version. Yeah, I do suspect that Doom would probably just do a Godfather with Donkey. Cut his head off. Yeah, and then drop it in Dilby's bed. bed. Reed's bed, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That would be funny. (laughs) Anyway, um, yeah, uh, Chris's email continues. Peter really was a to Deborah Whitman, wasn't he? The fact that he drove the poor girl nuts just to protect his secret ID is why I always called foul on that whole Civil War unmasking garbage. Total BS. Doc Ock as Spider-Man's arch enemy. You're probably right, but I can't get past my childhood bias against Doc Ock. I always saw him as a fat guy with a bunch of arms. I know he's much more than that, but tell my inner seven-year-old that. He wasn't fat when Ditko drew him. Mm. I think it was only later iterations that made him a bit porky. Yeah. I think Dick called him. He did dream as, you know, stocky. I don't well, think he dream as fat. My friend and plaid stallions guru Brian Helier has often said that he has a hard time with Spider-Man and his amazing friends due to the overuse of the very loud and very repetitive background music. Those tunes still run through my head as well. Classic character voice actor Hans Conrad as the chameleon was a hoot. The guy was Captain Hook in Disney's classic Peter Pan. The filmation Captain Marvel Shazam show was surprisingly faithful to the classic comics with Cap Jr., Murray, Uncle Dudley, etc. They reused the live-action TV series theme and some of the background music as well. The Hero High segments were typical filmation stuff. Haven't seen those in years. DC really needs to put out those Shazam tunes on official release. Paul Dini wrote for that show. The Milo Manura Spider-Woman controversy was pretty nuts. As you pointed out, Spider-Woman has always had a very painted-on costume, even for female superheroes. I find it funny that Manura did an X-Men piece that was far more questionable, with the female members standing around in what appeared to be mid-orgasm, with each one sporting an O-face. No one seemed to complain about that. Go figure, a whole lot of fuss over nothing. Comics depicting over-sexualised women and men? Never! You know, I want to look up that X-Men cover now. Yeah. I always think it's Greg Land who gets complained about stuff like I'd that more it than... it depends when it came out. I really need to read more Sandman, concludes Chris. I used to read the trades during my college days at the comic shop. Not really my usual comic style of choice, but always a great read nonetheless. It really does live up to the hype. Michael continues to point me in directions my rigid fanboyness will normally not allow. Good work. I cannot wait to hear your coverage of the Brave and the Bold 200, which I knew you'd get around to eventually, since you used the banner for your 200th episode. I know that comic that well. If you hadn't done it, I'd have had to cover it on Supermates. What a great issue. Take care, Chris. Cover it on Supermates, Chris. I don't mind. 
go on if you want. If you've got something to say about Brave and the Bold 200, you and Cindy should cover it because I'd love to hear what you thought about it. Patrick Kukorin emailed in from Metro Detroit with a shameless plug for my podcast Make Dad Read Comics and Random Feedback. Random stuff post-listening to Volume 4, Episode 19, The Goodies. I could listen to an entire show in which Michael reads the title of a manga and Andrew tries to guess what the translation in English may be. That was one of the funniest moments on the show in a while. Also, Michael, is that series an anthology or is it serialised or both? Uh, That particular story is uh, serialised, but there are collections that collect a bunch of short stories. Right. That particular one was serialised though. Right. Okay. Andy, I like Thames University as the fictional school of Brian Braddock, seeing as though Peter Parker attended the fictional Empire State University. It was a nice touch, I thought. The rest sounded like a mess of garbage trucks and botched assassination attempts. If you want to see a modern take on arcade, I suggest the Avengers Arena. He is the antagonist in a series that took young and new Avengers, plopped them into Murder World and had them fight it out to the last Avenger, a la Lord of the Flies, Battle Royale or Hunger games. I have no recall on the quality because I read only the first trade in fits and starts. Thank you Patrick. I think Derek mentioned that last week as well, didn't he? Mm. Derek Crabb mentioned that as well. Thank you Patrick from cold old Metro Detroit. With Robocop. With Robocop, yeah. I like the idea that Robocop's walking around Detroit. He doesn't yeah. do anything, there's just a lone Robocop walking just around Detroit. Just wandering around going, good, 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 yeah, stay yeah. out of trouble. Just stuff like that. Just the fact that there is a Robocop that scares criminals. Uh, our next email is Katie Williams. Hello, Katie. Just great spirals. Long time no email. Turns out this PhD lock is a lot of work. Who'd have guessed it? You make college look easy. Mm. <laughs> Nevertheless, continues Katie, I've still been really enjoying listening to the podcast while I work, even if I've been given a few weird looks when I sporadically burst into laughter. Thanks, guys. First, good luck with the university interviews, Michael. Gosh, I feel old now. No idea when you'll read this or whether you have any more coming up, but good luck anyway. Thank do you, you have any much. more coming up? I do, I have. Excellent. Well, I have one, and then I've not got my third one yet. Right, but you're waiting on it. Okay. Fair enough. Thank you, Kater. I've been really enjoying the Just Great Comics episode. I really enjoyed your courage as Ozzy Mackie, as it's one of my favourite Junji Ito words. Is that his name, Junji Ito? Junji Ito. Uh, thank you. Have you read The Enigma of Amegara Fault? I've not. Have you not? Oh, apparently, can't I, Kater? It's a short, <laughs> but extremely creepy story, but very well written. There you go. So there's a recommendation for you. And Katie has also started to become enamoured with Dick. <laughs> well, she is a university student. <laughs> Sorry, Kate. She means Dick Grayson, ah. of course. After your courage of a few of his issues, I picked up a couple of Batman issues to read in the breaks between bits of my epic Hellblazer read-through, just to save my brain from melting. <laughs> That's what John Constantine does to you. Now I can see a huge list of Nightwing comics becoming one of my next projects. Everybody really does love Dick. I love that that's a girl making that joke. I love that that joke's still funny. <laughs> it is. You'd think it wouldn't be, because I'm like, I'm 42 years old, that should not be funny. It should be funny to you, because you're 19, and all I have to say to you to make you laugh is boobies. <laughs> Thank you, Katie, that made us chuckle. Thank you very much. Can't wait to listen to the next pick, no matter whether I've read the comic you guys discuss or not, or whether I even have any background knowledge on the characters or stories, the episodes never fail to make me laugh, and half the time I really want to pick up the comics, whether it's a good one or not, just for the experience. Katie Williams. Well, thank you very much, Katie. 
for emailing in to the show. Uh, thank you very much to everyone who emailed into today's show. There's a couple in the sack, but we'll get to them next time. This time, we're going to take a quick break. And after the break, we'll be fighting some evil exes with Scott Pilgrim. Generation Star Wars is speaking up and sharing its story. I'm Andrew Leyland. I'm David Michelini. I'm Tom Panneries. I'm Steve Glosson. I'm Matt Hunsworth. I'm Scott Gardner. I'm Ryan Shaw. I'm Paul Herman. I'm Jimmy Mack. I'm Ryder Waldron. I'm Justin Bulger. I'm Joseph Tavano. I'm John Jackson Miller. I'm Concetta Parker. I'm Steve Sansweet. And this. And this. And this. Is my Star Wars story. Is my Star Wars story. My Star Wars story. My Star Wars story. My Star Wars story. My Star Star Wars story. My Star Wars story. My Star Wars story. My Star Wars story monthly at mystarwarsstory.com and available in the iTunes store.
for Celine Dion, but you've tried to make amends. <laughs> Canadian underground music was at its A-game during the 90s and it left its influential mark in many different forms. A team growing up in Canada at the time started to become culturally aware and started listening to music and watching new movies. Every day he would wake up to the college radio, and that's when he first heard of a band called Plumtree. He went to one of their shows with his sister and her friend, but because they couldn't stay out late, had to leave as the band started to play their song, Scott Pilgrim. That teen was Brian Lee O'Malley. He started as a letterer for Oni Press and illustrated for the miniseries Hopeless Savages Ground Zero, written by Jen Van Meter, performing in the band Kupek on the side. His first original graphic novel was Lost at Sea, which released in 2003. The coming-of-age story centres on a young teenage girl, post-breakup and stranded in a road trip with classmates she's never spoken to before who had accidentally invited her. Also, she lost her soul in the cat has it. <laughs> the cat has it? Yeah. Excellent. It's some good stuff, to be honest, but it stinks of pretentious teenage girl melodrama. Or maybe that's just me. Maybe she weren't the target audience for that one. Could be. But who is Scott Pilgrim? Well, the band, Plumtree, wrote their song based on a guy called Scott Ingram. Now, that's two names for you to remember, by the way. But changed the surname to Pilgrim. O'Malley himself didn't know the answer to this question. Who was Scott Pilgrim? Why this band written and performed the song about him? The answer, he decided, was himself. It had been a year since he had his last big breakup, and he was travelling around the country playing in a band with his friends. They would all chill and talk about video games and music, and he even had met a new girl along the way. And he decided that Scott Pilgrim's life would be like his own, only way better. O'Malley wanted this to be a shonen book, a Japanese-inspired samurai gauntlet story which would meld music, video games, movies and comics into one meld of fusion ha. Did you get the reference? <laughs> no, but go on. Uh, the reason for it being printed in black and white was because it was cheaper, but even this didn't stop any delays. O'Malley attended San Diego Comic Con in July 2004, but the book was pushed back, meaning that he was there to advertise his book that wasn't out yet. Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life was released on the 18th of August, 2004. I first heard of it in 2009, roughly. I don't know where or how, but I was going through a bit of a pretentious indie arcade fire phase, and if you browse enough indie hipster websites, you are bound to come across the work of a man who embraces hipster culture, and is the self-titled personification of it. The boot, from my recollection, was a huge underground thing before the movie, and I had to have it. It was Christmas of 2009 when my auntie Claire bought me volume 1. That's because my sister is awesome. Yeah. The American version too, which was cool. I tore through it, partially because of how little there actually is to it, but because it was my book. It had everything I wanted in it. It's a comic that references comics by a guy who's read comics. It's full of video game references by a guy who's actually played video games. It was full of indie underground music and musicians that I went and looked up. It was a great book that opened me up to so many new bands. I scoured the internet for Plumtree and numerous other bands. And with my own Christmas money, I bought myself the next four volumes, as six wasn't out yet, at Manchester's Forbidden Planet. And after awkwardly purchasing them and trying to talk to the rather young, attractive lady behind the counter serving me, <laughs> I couldn't wait until we got home to start reading them. Scott Pilgrim's Precious Little Life has a cover of Scott Pilgrim pointing towards us with a huge grin on his face. That's it. Yeah. 
I like his Han Solo Parker jacket. Yeah. But he lives in Canada. He does. So one imagines he needs to wrap up more. There is a volume of this. I don't know if we're going to cover it tonight with the entire book. It just rains. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was hysterical. And there's one with a heat wave. Yeah. So uh, I like how he really does capture Canadian living because it seems to me that Canadian living is not that much different to British living. Yeah. Which fits into my theory that people are alike all over. Mm-hmm. Uh, the... Hardback version. Of which you have both, yes. because you're you. Yes. Well, they released a coloured version a few years back in hardback as well, and it was coloured by Nathan Furburn, comic colourist. Oh, right. And it's filled with loads of extras, and on the back there's a little checklist of all the X's. Oh, right. And is that on all of them? Yeah. If you look on the back so of the second on one. the back of volume two. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's the pretentious douchebag him, isn't yes. he? Yes. Lucas Lee. Yes. Yeah. But the cover for volume two is similar to volume one. Only Scott looks like how he does later on in the series, and he's wearing the same clothes. Yeah, the art style is slightly different in the he early gets ones, isn't more it? More refined later on. Or scratchy, depending on your point of view. I think it's fair enough. But why is Scott smiling? Well, Scott Pilgrim is dating a high schooler. It's been a year since his breakup, and the 23 year old has decided to take it easy with the 17 year old Chinese Knives Chow. He introduces her to his band, Sex Bob, on one night at band practice. The band consists of guitar-slash-vocalist Stephen Stills, drummer Kim Pye, bassist Scott Pilgrim, and audience Young Neil. <laughs> Having never heard proper music before, nice as engrossed as they play and is left blown away. In the early hours of the afternoon, Scott is woken up by his sister asking about his new girlfriend. Scott quickly regrets telling his gay roommate Walter Wallace Wells about her. Wallace owns their apartment, as well as almost everything inside it, and accompanies Scott as he meets Knives at her Catholic high school. They meet up and Scott sends Wallace away when he starts asking Knives about the cute boys in her class. They grab a bite to eat, check out the Goodwill store and walk past Scott's old house before he says goodbye to Knives at the bus stop. That night, he dreams of a girl with pink hair on rollerblades, skate past him and tell him to stop moaning about being alone. After dinner with Wallace and other Scott, Scott meets up with Knives, and they go to the library where he sees the girl from his dreams delivering books. He zones out for the rest of the day and is unable to play more than one note at band practice. Whilst dreaming of his previous band playing a show, Scott sees the same girl go past. The following day, the band go to a party at Stephen Stills' girlfriend, Julie's house. Scott asks Michael Comau, who knows everybody, if he knows who the girl is. He does, and her name is Ramona Flowers, and she is at the party. He finds her alone and stands next to her, trying to make small talk. He asks her if he's dreaming, and the two stand in awkward silence before Scott just walks away. And then he stalks her until she left the party before returning to young Neil to tell him that she is real. Young Neil doesn't know who he's talking about, and so Scott returns to Comal. Apparently Ramona is American and has been in Canada for a few weeks, but he doesn't know if she's moved or is visiting, and so he tells Scott to ask Sandra and Monique. They say that she has a boyfriend back in New York, and that she knows Julie. So Scott goes to Julie, who says that she invited her, and that she moved to Canada working for Amazon.ca. Stephen still spills the beans on Ramona's breakup with a guy from New York, something Julie didn't want Scott to know, and she forbids him from hitting on her. She doesn't know much, as Ramona's pretty vague, but all she knows is that the guy's name is Gideon. The next day, Scott gets an idea. Using Wallace's credit card details, Scott goes to Amazon.ca on Wallace's computer and buys a bunch of CDs so that Ramona will deliver them. 
Whilst browsing, Scott gets an email, but after a quick skim through, he gets bored and deletes it. He sits at the door waiting for the CDs, and when the doorbell rings, excitedly answers only to find knives. He'd forgotten that they'd planned to hang out today. They get food and check out Goodwill and Knives Talks, but Scott doesn't care and barely feigns an interest. As they say goodbye, Knives kisses Scott, but he runs away in a panic. On Sunday evening at band practice, Stephen Stills announces that he got them a show with the Rocket playing with Crash and the Boys on Wednesday. That night, he dreams of Ramona skating through his dream with his parcel. He wakes up and rushes to the door, opening it before she can even ring the doorbell. He awkwardly asks her to go on a date with him. She tells him to sign for the parcel, but he insists. He tells her that she's been appearing in his dreams, and she tells him that there's a convenient subspace highway in his head that takes 3 miles and 15 seconds. Subspace highways are rapid transits, but this doesn't stop Scott's confusion. They mustn't know about them in Canada. <laughs> Scott says that because she's new to town and he's lived here his entire life and can show her around, they should hang out. After Scott's awkward insisting, she agrees to hang out with him, probably to shut him up, and he signs for the parcel so that she can go. He does so, and later that night the two meet up. They walk around and talk when it starts to snow. The snow gets heavier and heavier, and Ramona says there's a subspace door nearby. They try to find their way through the whiteout before Ramona takes Scott's hand and leads him through the door. They fall through the highway and land at Ramona's house. Cold and wet, Ramona makes them both some tea before going upstairs to get a blanket. Bored of waiting, Scott goes upstairs and walks in on Ramona getting changed. He says he's cold, and she holds him, saying she's also cold. She moves back before they both move in to kiss. Spying the blanket on the bed, Scott for once says something that's pretty smooth. Instead of her, <laughs> instead of her bringing the blanket down, why don't they both get under the blanket so that they're both warm? But what about the tea? asks Ramona. What about it? says Scott. They climb into bed, but Ramona says she's changed her mind about where that was going, and the two fall asleep holding each other instead. He wakes up to her getting ready for work, and the two leave as Scott invites Ramona to go watching his band's show. Scott arrives back home and tells Wallace about Ramona, who tells him to break up with his fake high school girlfriend. Wallace also tells him that he has a letter, so Scott starts to read it but gets bored and throws it away. Later at Stephen Stills' house, Scott tries to break up with Knives but decides not to. Stephen Stills briefs the band on Crash and the Boys. Lucas Crash Wilson, vocals slash guitar, Joel McMillan, bass, but their previous drummer went insane and lapsed into a coma so they hired a new drummer, an 18 year old girl named Trasher. After 24 hours of practice, they meet up with the Rocket. Scott finds Wallace with Scott's sister, Stacy, and her friend, Jimmy. Knives and her friend arrive, and she kisses Scott as Ramona arrives. Everybody notices, and everybody looks at everybody, and everybody looks at Scott. Scott runs away. Crashing the boys open, playing a set of three to four second long songs, <laughs> the last of which knocks out the entire audience. This song is called I Am Sad, So Very, Very Sad. Thank you. In the toilet, Stacy and Ramona start talking. When they head back, they see a floor of unconscious people and Wallace and Jimmy making out. Sex Bob and walk onto the stage and start to play, but there's an explosion in the air and flying from it is Matthew Patel. Scott doesn't know who he is, but fights anyway, and after landing a 64-hit combo, Scott asks who he is. Matthew Patel is Ramona Flowers' first evil ex-boyfriend. He gets angry when Scott says that he ignored the email in the letter, and Ramona tells Scott that in the 7th grade, 
Matthew Patel was the only non-white, non-jock boy in school, and so they got together for about a week until Ramona left him. What she doesn't go into too much detail about is his mystical powers, and Matthew summons a horde of demon hipster chicks, but Sex bob stands united with Wallace, Stacy, Young Neil and Knives. Using the power of friendship, the group hit Patel before Scott takes the air and KOs him. Matthew explodes into coins, and Scott picks them up before counting them up to $2.10, not even enough to get the subway home. It was football season, and for some reason, all the little jocks wanted me. Matthew was the only non-white, non-jock boy in town, so the two of us joined forces, and we took them all down. We brawled and scrapped and fought for hours. Nothing could beat Matthew's mystical powers. We only kissed once. After a week and a half. Told him to hit the showers. Dude, wait. Mystical powers? You'll pay for this! Full hours! If you want to fight me You're not the brightest You won't know what hit you in the all of her seven evil ex-boyfriends in order to carry on dating her. He asks her if he'll have to fight Gideon, and her head glows as she avoids the question. Noticing this, Scott asks her if she still wants to see him. She says yes, but the two sit awkwardly for the rest of the journey. End of volume one. End of volume one. You made this sound a lot deeper than it actually is. <laughs> it's actually pretty straightforward, yeah. isn't it? I really enjoyed these. It's genuinely funny in a lot of places. The dialogue's hysterical. I actually, I did actually recognise myself and your mum in an awful lot of these when we were twenty something. Yeah. So it was quite fun to have us both read it and you read it, and probably got different things out of it. <laughs> But we still see the same universal things of like when life was just going out and watching bands and not doing yeah. very much and not being too concerned about anything and it was great. And I really did enjoy it. <laughs> and I, wish, I wish we went back to that. But sadly, it is not the way. Yeah, the art's a bit more loose. Yeah, which is only really noticeable going back to Yeah, because I just read volume six last night because somebody told me we were talking about all six. Somebody yeah. told me I didn't have to do all six. So, uh, yeah, I'm going back to volume one here. I do like, everybody gets a little introduction bit. Scott Pilgrim, 23 years old, rating awesome. Mm. And just the Kim Pine is my favourite one, isn't it? My favourite is Wallace. He's hilarious all the way through. Wallace is gay roommate. And yeah. I love that every time they mention it. Wallace, gay roommate. Yeah, and I love that they sleep together. <laughs> yeah. Well, Wallace is always trying it on with Scott. Yeah. Which is quite amusing. And Scott's like, not having any of it. I, I love some of the things he says about his mum as well. 
like when Scott gets back from Ramona's and Wallace is up saying, where were you? Me and your mum have been worried sick about you. <laughs> I like the, the shot of the apartment. Scott and Wallace's apartment ownership diagram. Lame poster, Scott, and it's two girls kissing. I know what that is as well. Is it tattoo? It's, no, it is... Mm. Uh, Kiss by photographer Tanya Chalkin. Oh, I know it's a real poster yeah. that you can, or you could actually buy. Lamp, Wallace. Easy chair, Wallace. Futon, Wallace. Throw rug, Wallace. Clothes on the floor and stuff, Scott. Everything in the kitchen, Wallace. Shoes lying around, Scott. Coat, Scott. Wallace's coat, better. Yeah. Television, Wallace. Video game system and games, Wallace. Shelf, Wallace. Books and CDs, Wallace. Computer, Wallace. Scott's toothbrush, Wallace paid for it. <laughs> Wallace's Wallace's socks on Scott's feet. There's <laughs> a bit in volume three as well when they meet up and Wallace says, Is that my shirt? And Scott's like, What? No, I, I was wearing it last week. <laughs> so basically Scott's got nothing. Yeah. How did they both end up living together in this one room apartment? Oh, that's a flashback scene in volume three. Is it? Yeah. Oh yes, I do remember now. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So the opening's really, really good. And then they just want to be a band. I love Kim Pimes. We are sex, Bob. One, two, three, four. Isn't that all she ended up saying in the film? More or less. Where she was magnificently cast. Yeah. In fact, the cast of the movie was really, really very good. Apart from Michael Sarah Scott. Yeah, yeah. Which is a shame. Mm. Everybody else was really, really brilliant. Who played Kim Pine in the film? I don't know. All right, I thought you would have known that. You'll have to watch it for next week. If we get time, we will watch it for next week, yeah, mm. so we can talk about how much better the books are than the film. Yes. Which is the way it normally goes whenever we do something like that, isn't it? Mm. Um, the books are also, like I said, full of music references, mm. most of which are on T-shirts. Um, and some of these in Volume 1 include New Order, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Plum Tree, The Kings, and Sloan. Um, Scott also wears a Sonic and Knuckles t-shirt when eating with Wallace and other Scott and Knives picks out a jacket that looks very similar to Wolverine's leather jacket. Well, in the films or in the comics? In the books. Right. I'm not sure if you can tell as much in the black and white version but in the colour version when they go to Goodwill yeah, there we go. That leather jacket. All right, so it is. But you can't really tell in the actual black and white version yeah. that it's um, supposed to be his... Wolverine's jacket mm. from the film. Alright, fair enough. Um, as for names, Stephen Stills is named after Stephen Stills. <laughs> really? Yes. Uh, young Neil is named after the other one from Crosby, Stills and Nash. <laughs> <laughs> young Neil. <laughs> um, sex Bob-omb is a reference to the bob that appear in the Mario games, only they're not that sexy in the games. Oh, is it? See, I mustn't have played enough Mario because I didn't get that. Mm. Wallace owns an NES and a PS2. Well, I talked to this uh, about this to you when I was reading it the other day. It was like, how old are these? Yeah. Because you only started reading them in, like, what, 2010? Yeah. So they didn't seem that old to me. But I'm reading it going, they're still buying CDs. Yeah. They're 20-somethings and they're still buying CDs. Not one of them's got an iPod. Hmm. That I could see. They started in 2004. Right. But there's funnier on later on uh, is there's about one a year. So time passed in release, but time didn't pass 
within the story. Yeah, so, all, all six books take place over one year. Yeah, and so someone references, oh, isn't it like 2009 or whatever, and Scott's like, what? No, what? <laughs> yeah, because they still work in video stores. Yeah. Which by 2010 had gone away. Yeah. So it does seem quite quite strange. I do. They reference Trainspotting. They do. First of all, in Trainspotting, remember, he's freaking out and all worried. That was because he knew it was sick and wrong and illegal. Because they're talking about going out with the, the yeah. high school thing. And second, remember how she was coercing him? Dude, it's not like that at all. <laughs> it's totally like that. A little bit. A little bit like that. Yeah, and the Wallace Wells being funny again. You're too good for him. <laughs> Wallace is funny. Mm. Oh, yeah, so you can't really tell in the black and white one that it's supposed to be Wolverine's coat, can you? No. But it is pretty obvious in the colour one. Unless the colourist just saw how he drawn that. And then thought, mm. And thought, ah, that looks like Wolverine's coat. Yeah. Mm. I felt a bit sorry for Knives Chow throughout the entire story. Yeah, because Scott is a Yeah. He just hides behind an adorable personality. But no, he's, he's quite a bad person. He's not a bad person. He's just not entirely sure what he yeah. is or what he wants to be. And ends up upsetting a few people finding that out. Yeah. I like his first meeting with Ramona. Why has she got goggles on? Because she rollerblades. Oh, right. Of course she does, because she's a deliverer for Amazon.car. Yes. Isn't she? Who's she in the film? Uh, Mary Elizabeth Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Winstead. That was it. I remember that. Uh, Notice his dream when he's playing in a band Mm -mm. is... That's someone we'll get into later on. Yeah. That's Knife Child playing saxophone. Oh, so it is. Is that Envy Adams? Yes. Right. So it's supposed to be Envy Adams. I specifically wrote my synopsis to not give anything away. Oh, who cares? If they're listening to this, it's (laughs) going to be spoiled for them. And if they've not read it, they've not read it. Yeah. Um, And just knowing that that's Envy Adams isn't really a spoiler, dude. I guess. So, yeah, there's Knives and Envy playing. And so that's his dream. Yes. Uh, All his girlfriends. Yeah. Uh, Then we get to the party. Julie's party. Julie has a lot of parties. Julie How has Ramona got an invite to Julie's party? Because she says uh, Julie works in the coffee store and Ramona came in delivering and Julie is friends with everyone. That's true. Uh, I did instantly notice Ramona's shoes Yes, were Mr. Happy's shoes from the Mr. Men series. Yep. And he actually says, I like your shoes. Thanks, I got them in England. Which is a reference to Roger Hargreaves' Mr. Men boots, which I read you all the time. Mm-hmm. And As he, a kid. he draws them for Wallace later on. He's like, dude, those are Mr. Happy Shoes. Wallace notices that they're Mr. Happy Shoes. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, the party is Michael Comal, who is based on real life Michael Comal. Who's Michael Comal? A friend of Brian Lee O'Malley's. Oh, right. Okay, fair enough. Is this real name? Yes, that's his Michael real name. Michael Comal. Uh, after the party is the first, uh, or one of several hilarious Wallace scenes. Uh, yeah. Guess who's drunk? <laughs> I guess Wallace. You guessed right. <laughs> I like this. I've been having this recurring dream about this girl I saw her at the library, and can we pretend we're talking about a guy? So then I'm at this party, and hey, there she is. There he is. <laughs> <laughs> Wallace is funny. He is. Wallace is exceptionally funny. The next morning, or technically afternoon. Yeah, hey, you hung over on making bacon. No, I don't drink. Bacon anyway. <laughs> He has, uh, does he have bacon? Yeah. Oh, right. Why is he eating with the fork? Do you not eat bacon Oh, because I'm bacon and eggs. Yeah. Right. No, you don't have to eat bacon with the fork, dude. Oh, you okay. just eat bacon with your fingers. That's, that's you know, that's, yeah. that's how I eat bacon. I don't know how anyone else eats it. I, I love when he goes on the computer as well to I'm going to buy some CDs. 
Are these your credit card details correct? (laughs) (laughs) The next panel's funnier, though, because it's just Wallace going out. I love it's like, so Amazon.ca, that's like that internet store thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. What's the web address for that? That would be (laughs) Amazon.ca. But my favourite bit there is there's a panel in between where Wallace is like... Did he really just ask me that? Did you really just ask me what the website is for Amazon.ca? Yeah. It is funny. Is There's it? a lot of hysterical stuff. Yeah. Because he's already completely forgot he's supposed to be going out with Knives Chow. Yeah, he's moved on a lot quickly. And it's really good because it's really well observed of the stuff that you think is important when you're 20. Music yeah. is important when you're in your 20s. Um, eating and hanging out and just... Dossing around with your mates and going to parties. Oh, we didn't go to a lot of parties. But hanging around with your mates. I go to a show in the industry, we call them gigs, Stephen. Because Kim Pine's funny. And then there's the talk of the subspace highways. Kind of like Super Mario 3. Is that what it is? Because yeah. it is very... It's very... It's not self-referential. But there's a lot of stuff in it that make it a video game. Yeah. But there's also some really funny breaking the fourth wall bits yeah. not so much in volume one but later on as we get through it mm. we do get references to uh, we're quarter of the way through the book and nothing's happened well there's one in this one where they're talking about Scott's job and he says oh we'll talk about that later on maybe volume three <laughs> and volume three is when he starts getting a job doesn't it yeah I like that Ramona asks him what's with the X on his coat oh this well obviously one of us went to Professor Xavier's school for gifted youngsters and one of us didn't Obviously, one of us is a total nerd. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that coat is a coat that Brian Lee O'Malley has, and he put the X-Men patch on it because he wanted an X-Men patch but was scared of what other people would say about it. He had an X-Men patch on his real coat? No, he didn't. He, he wanted one, oh, right. but didn't have one because he was scared of other people. Uh, okay. How did Ramona discover the subspace highways? We will discover that in Volume 6. Ah, right. Oh, yeah, so we do. Mm-hmm. Said the man who read that last night. Yeah, forgotten it already. I, well, I'll have to reread them because you've decided we're covering everything mm-hmm. next week. I do like that it just starts snowing. Really heavily out of nowhere. Um, this is getting ridiculous. Isn't it like April? <laughs> <laughs> She's moaning that it's snowing in April. And then the subway first doorways enable them to have... Lots of shortcuts. I love her descriptions of what kind of tea do you want? <laughs> Every single tea. And, and Scott's like, there's more than one kind of tea? And she goes, yeah, there's blueberry, raspberry, ginseng, sleepy time, green tea, green tea with lemon, green tea with lemon and honey, leather disaster, ginger with honey, ginger without honey, vanilla almond, white truffle coconut, chamomile, blueberry, chamomile decaf, vanilla walnut, constant comet, and earl grey. Did you make some of those up? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's got a poster and a she's got a Johnny Cash poster she has I can't see what's the other one I don't know because it's obviously a real photograph so I can't yeah. make out what it actually is they came the, the photographs came out a little bit worse in colour did they yeah they look better in black and white I presume that you can still make out that it's Johnny Cash so. yeah yeah alright Ramona is a bit pixie what's it called Duh. Pixie perfect girl or something. I guess. That that term that somebody's for the perfect little nerd girl that people keep putting in stories. Yeah. She always played by Felicia Day on television. Yeah. Uh, well, she starts off like that. Yeah, but she becomes a bit of a cow as we go along. Yeah. And then she mellows out again. Yes. So that's okay. She has a rear window poster. Mm-hmm. So she obviously likes a little bit of Alfred Hitchcock. And when Scott wakes up, he says he wished he could roll into a ball and roll around. 
Super Metroid reference. Oh, right. What's Super Metroid? Well, it's a video game where you play Samus, and she's in a suit of armour that can grow up into a ball and you can spin around. Right, okay. Again, he gets a letter, like the email from uh, one of Ramona's ex-boyfriends, and just ignores it. I love that when he goes out in the snow, yeah. it's up to his waist. I like the little drawings like that, because Scott is portrayed to be quite adorable. Mm. Yeah. Even though he's uh, sometimes not. Yeah. Chapter 5, everything's starting to get complicated. And nice child starts dressing up like Kim Pan. Why does she start dressing like Kim? I don't know. Why does she latch on to Kim? Of all the people that she could have latched on to. <laughs> they got a girl drummer? <laughs> She's eight years old. <laughs> the concert scene is very funny. Mm. We're at The Rocket, which is based on uh, the real place. Is it? Is there a real place called that? Club Rocket. Uh, nice Chow, 17 years old. Status, totally crazy. <laughs> yeah, she is a bit needy, isn't she? What's yeah. that picture thing you're always posting? Over-eager girlfriend or something? I'm not always posting that. Where have I seen it? I've not it. I must have seen the it The overbearing girlfriend. That's the one. Yeah. Ramona Flowers, age unknown. Status, Scott is an idiot. Yeah. Is that because he's got nice Chow here? That's Yeah, that's because everyone saw what just happened. Uh, and everyone saw Ramona coming in. Uh, his sister, Stacey. Yeah, Stacey Pilgrim. Named after Brian Lee O'Malley's sister, Stacey. Oh, of course. Uh, and whilst we're on the topic of names, Ramona Flowers is named after the song I Heard Ramona Sing by Frank Black. Oh, right. Yeah. So where did Flowers come from? No idea. Oh, right. Uh, also, Crash and the Boys, mm-hmm. the drum has the Archies written on it in the same font as the Archie as comic. the Archie comic. Well, there was a pop band called the Archies, wasn't there? Was there? Yeah, I'm sure you sure there was in the 60s. I don't know if it was anything to do with Archie. It may yeah. have been. I can't remember off the top of my head. First evil ex-boyfriend. Matthew Patel. Who's he played by in the film? Some Bollywood star. Oh, right. Okay. So is that why I don't know him? Probably. Right. He's not Brandon Routh. He's not Brandon Routh. He's later on in the film, He's later he? on, yeah. Yeah. This fight is relatively low-key compared to the ridiculousness of the gaming fights that we will get in future volumes. Yeah. Where it starts getting ridiculous and everyone just bursts into a pile of coins. Yeah, well, a lot of the fight scenes um, are, you know, really heavily inspired by fighting games Mm. and party-based games such as Street Fighter 2 and Final Fantasy. And the coin thing is the thing where, you know, you kill someone and they burst into rewards. I like they're all singing. Yeah, while they're fighting. I like that they're all doing Prince Charming. <laughs> I don't know if that was intentional, but it amused me. And Scott wins, and he, he turns into a couple of coins. Oh man, two dollars ten, dude! I'll lend you fifteen cents. That's what you get when you only fight mini bosses. Yes, it is. And, and that's the end of volume one. Ramona's glowy head. Which, oh, which will pay out yeah. as we go through. Especially, I do love what I did love about this was that a lot of your comic book conventions that you don't really pay much attention to in a comic, mm-hmm. like that signifies surprise in a comic. Lots yeah. of lines around the head. Other people can see them. Yeah. So when she gets that surprise lines around her head, Scott's like, "What's going on with your head?" <laughs> and Ramona's, "I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah. To be continued. Brian Lee O'Malley loved by animals. Okay. Volume 1, done. That was Volume 1. Yeah, do you have anything else to say about Volume 1? Uh, no. Crashing the boys. I like what happens to Crashing the boys later on. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, yeah. yeah. Her, uh, hostile takeover. Hostile takeover, yeah. Very good, very good, very good. Fingernails. 
Mm. And what colour's that hair? It's not quite pink. Pinky purple. Yeah, kind of pinky purple. You know where that actually came from? What? Uh, that was a drawing Brian Lee O'Malley did and stuck it onto the front cover of his Volume 2 sketchbook. Oh, right. And it ended up being the cover. It ended up being the cover, yeah. Oh, seems fair enough. Scott Pilgrim vs. The World is, of course, also the title of the film. Yes. So the film takes its title from Volume 2 of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, on the back cover is of the Clash of Demon Head, and they look nothing like how they do inside. Was that the first sketch or something? Could be. Yeah, right. An alt-lit rock and roll graphic novel, which is, you know, pretty good description of it, really. Yeah. It's very good. Volume One's actually a very good summarization of what it's like to be twenty-something, mm. and I really liked it. Before it starts again, kind of ridiculous. Yes, well, so the ridiculousness plays into the overall story that it's a yeah. video game comic book, and there are times where it gets quite, quite bleak as well in yeah. some places. Yeah, the characters are all well drawn and believable and you can identify with them if you were yeah. kind of in this kind of indie music, indie pop music lifestyle thing. Mm. Like me and your mum would just go to Manchester and watch crappy bands in crappy places. Because yeah. Scott would take us there. Fair wouldn't enough. Because he? he was the only one of us that could drive. But yeah, there, there is a lot of nicely balanced juxtaposition between the ridiculous and mm. believable. Yeah, the characters are never ridiculous. Yeah. Even if Scott getting punched over a building <laughs> is slightly ridiculous. Yeah. Only slightly. Mm-hmm. Anyways, riding a bus home, Wallace tells Scott that he needs to break up with Knives and stops the bus to get off, telling Scott to stay at Ramona's tonight as he's having someone over. Scott calls Knives from a payphone and finds her stood behind him. The two hang out and check out a record store where Knives finds her new favourite band's album, The Clash at Demonhead. She tells him that she wants him to come round for dinner so that she can introduce him to her parents and he tells her that's not a good idea and comes out with excuses as to why it's not. She tells him that she's in love with him before he awkwardly breaks up with her. On the bus to Stephen Stills' house, Scott thinks of how he left Knives but thinks of Ramona instead. At band practice, Stephen Stills asks where Knives is and Scott says that they broke up but they'll meet his new girlfriend soon. You're the salt of the earth, says Kim. The next day, Scott proposes a meal for Ramona and kicks Wallace out of the apartment after she arrives. He gives her a tour of the one-room apartment before they eat on the floor. Whilst making out in bed, Ramona says that Scott's hair is getting a little long and sends him into a panic. It's been just over a year since his last proper haircut, and three hours after that, his girlfriend broke up with him. Blaming the breakup on the haircut, he's been cutting his own hair ever since. Kim Pine wakes up after a dream of Scott's death. She does this frequently. Years ago in high school, Scott and Kim were a thing. As the new kid in school, Scott became friends with a girl called Lisa Miller, and as two unpopular kids, they decided to start a band. Kim was born miserable and didn't take a liking to Scott until he drew her a picture of a sheep to prove that he can draw sheep better than maps. Kim also played drums in the school band, so Scott and Lisa decided to invite her to the band. On the day Kim and Scott were supposed to show their class presentation, the Benvy Tech boys raided the school and kidnapped Kim, taking her to their school, fought through all the floors until reaching the roof, finding Kim chained to a wall in the boss. After an intense boss fight, Scott punches him into the sky before freeing Kim, asking her if she'll go out with him and join his band. And so they were a thing, until Scott moved to Toronto. Now, after having moved to Toronto about a year ago, she works in a video store. The video store that Scott walks into. He has a list of Lucas Lee films Wallace told him to rent and watch. 
Lucas Lee is a pro skateboarder turned actor and he's in town filming. Turns out he's Ramona's second evil ex and Scott needs to train by watching the films. Ramona, meanwhile, walks into a coffee store, the same coffee store that Scott's sister Stacy works at, and the two start talking. Scott, back at the apartment, feels a weird, ominous feeling, but Wallace tells him to get back to training. After band practice, young Neil shows the group a copy of Now Magazine with the clash of Demon Head on the cover. Steven still says he's happy that one of them made it and they're getting recognised, whereas Scott is very, very hostile towards them. The next day, Scott and Ramona ride the bus and Scott shares with Ramona the song he wrote for her. Meanwhile, Wallace is at home playing video games when Knives calls. She says she and Scott were supposed to hang out today, but Wallace tells her that he's out, before asking her where she is. Before she can answer, Wallace gets up and opens the front door to find Knives standing there on the phone. He tells her she should go home. Scott and Ramona head back to his apartment, where they watch another Lucas Lee film. Whilst talking about how bad the film is and how hot he finds him, Ramona's head glows again like it did on the train. Slowly it fades and Ramona slides into bed with Scott and tells him to turn the film off. During the night, Scott is woken up by a phone call from his parents in Europe asking about his new girlfriend. The following day, the two go to Steve Stills' house for dinner where they cook and eat vegan shepherd's pie. None of them are vegan, but cooking together keeps them off the street, says Scott. Watching them eat through the window is Knives Chow. Wanting to win Scott back from Ramona, she calls her friend Tamara and buys her dye. They dye red, highlighting her hair at her house, and decides to take the ninja fight to Ramona. At Ramona's place, she introduces Scott to her new cat, called Gideon. The two talk about Lucas Lee, and she tells him that in school he constantly asks her to go out with him until she finally said yes, and even then nothing happened. They just sat on curbs and smoked. She didn't even leave him for any cocky pretty boys. The next day, Scott and Wallace head to Casa Loma, where they find Lucas Lee. Scott tells him who he is, and Lucas puts out his cigarette and punches Scott. Picks him up from the floor by his leg, spins him around and throws him away. Scott wakes up to Lucas, Wallace, Kim and young Neil looking down on him. Lucas tells him about Ramona and how she cheated on him for the first cocky pretty boy that walked her away and that he's part of the League, the League of Ramona's evil ex-boyfriends. He says that if he pays him, then he'll tell Gideon that he beat him or else he'll have to kiss Ramona's ass goodbye. Not wanting to do either, Scott points out the large, twisty-turny staircase next to them and says that it'd be pretty cool if he did a trick down them all. Lucas Lee, super cool and tough, rises to the challenge and grabs his board. He jumps down and grinds the rail, but hits speeds that are too fast to live and crashes on the floor, exploding into coins and a present. The present is a mithril skateboard, which Scott can't use because he didn't pick the skateboard proficiency back in fifth grade. On the roof of the Toronto Reference Library, Knives waits. Scott walks into the coffee store only to find Julie rather than Stacy. Julie tells him that his ex is back in town and that she gave her his number. Back at the library, Ramona and Stacy are hanging out before Knives attacks her. Ramona has no idea who Knives is, but Knives recognises her from the library and realises that Scott cheated on her with Ramona. The two continue to fight in the library until Knives gets away, though not without leaving a final note. You're ugly and I hate you. Nice chow. Sat home alone playing video games, Scott's phone rings. Hi Scott. Envy Adams. It's been a year since the two last spoke. He tells her that he's got a girlfriend that she should be jealous and that her name is Ramona Flowers. Envy sounds as though she recognises the name but doesn't elaborate. 
She gets to the point and sees that her band, the Clashic Demon Head, are playing a show nearby, and their support dropped out, and so she was wondering if Scott's band could fill in. She tells him that she'll put them on the guest list, and to come by on Friday to talk to them after the show. It's been nice chatting with you, she says before hanging up. Wallace comes home to find a burly conscious Scott on the floor, moaning. Kneeling next to him, Wallace tries to decipher the incoherent babble. Envy? Envy called? Recovering, Scott receives a phone call from Stacy, telling him all about the fight that Ramona and Knives had, and Scott begins to panic. At band practice, Scott tells them all the bad news, that Envy wants them to open for her, and that they need to go to see them tomorrow to talk about it. Steven still thinks it's great, and that this could be an opportunity for them, but they all agree that they suck as a band. On Friday, Scott and Ramona walk to the show. She says she's not angry at him over Knives, and asks him to dish on Envy. He says he doesn't remember most of it, and that she left him for some guy named Todd. Ramona says she used to date a Todd. Scott laughs and jokes that it could be the same guy. <laughs> Ramona insists on Scott telling her about Envy, and finds it hard to believe that he remembers a week-long job at his favourite Nouveau Mexican restaurant before it got shut down better than his ex-girlfriend. They reach Lee's palace, and meet up with the rest of the group, where Kim points out who young Neil's got around his arm. Knives. Knives and Stephen Stills talk about Envy, and he says he hasn't seen her in a while. Knives, who's amazed to know that he knows her, is shocked to learn that Scott used to date her. When it's time for the band to play, everybody crowds in front of the stage and the lights go off. The Clash at Demonhead come on stage and start their show, but Ramona sees something. The bassist named Todd, who Envy left Scott for.
Uh, Scott Pilgrim in High School. Yeah. Opens this one. And his girlfriend is Lisa Miller. No, that's not his girlfriend. It's just his friend. Well, he keeps being called his girlfriend by Stacey. Yeah, but that's Kim Pine. But that's to wind him up. And Lisa Miller who shows up later on. Yeah, we see uh, all of these people will pop back in and out of his life. Yeah, no one's unimportant. Yeah, everyone plays a part in the story at some point, don't they? Mm. I do like that Scott's in complete denial about his social status. You know I'm not a goth and you're not a jock. I, I am such a jock. <laughs> yeah. Which, of course, he isn't. Uh, that the first time they see Kim Pine, Yeah, she's playing with the school band. I like it when he draws her a sheep, because she's miserable, and he says he, he's going to slack off. And then he, he draws a crappy map, and he says, if it was a sheep, I'd do a great job at it. So she makes him draw him a sheep. <laughs> and the, the entire opening to this one is Scott in high school. Yeah. <laughs> is this the best St. Jules could muster? That's not what your mum said last <laughs> night. You know, if you're going to wind somebody up, make a mum joke. Yeah. And then this is where the fight scenes start getting slightly ridiculous. It's a flashback. It is a flashback. <laughs> so he kicks him. Who is this guy? No, he's the Ben Vitek boys boss fight. He is, that's the Ben Vitek boys boss fight. I love the panel where it just says kick, and he's turned into a giant comet. Yeah. And he's kicked right across the school playing field and out into the trees. Because it's Canada, so there must be some trees somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Obviously. The, I like the bit where uh, Scott sees her and asks if she'll go out with him and join the band, and she's like, yes, Scott, oh, yes. Like very unkimpine like dialogue that this must be Scott's flashback yeah this is Scott imagining what Kim was like in high school yeah. because I can't imagine Kim was ever this enthusiastic for anything <laughs> yeah there's they're, a they're no doubt called Sonic and Knuckles which Sonic I see I get that one yeah. I get that reference yeah. uh, no doubt poster because it was the 90s because it was the 90s and uh People listen to No Doubt. Is he making out with Kim Pine in the back of a car? They're doing a lot more than making out, actually. Blimey, O'Reilly. He gets around a bit, doesn't he? Yeah. And then he just moves to Toronto. Bye. Yeah. Poor Kim. It's a wonder she still talks to him. I like that he dreams about playing video games and Ramona brings it up. That is so pathetic. Yeah. I dream about playing video games. Do you? I do. You are so <laughs> pathetic. I've never dreamt about playing a video game. Fair enough. I can honestly say that. I've, my, I've dreamt about lots of... Anyway. <laughs> Moving swiftly on. <laughs> While your mum's in the room. You get another lovely panel uh, where we introduce everybody. Scott Pilgrim, hero of the book. 23 years old. Fun fact, he was also the hero of Scott Pilgrim Volume 1, mm. which is funny. And Wallace Wells, erstwhile roommate of the hero, 25 years old. Fun fact, he is gay. Yeah. It's like every time they introduce Wallace, they feel the need to say, he is gay. Yeah. Do you think that's Brian Leo O'Malley just making some kind of social commentary? I don't know. That that's a defining part of his character. Could be. When it really doesn't matter. I think it's just funny, to be honest. It is just funny, that's true. But I like the idea that he's Say, he, he's pointing out that you know this isn't all that there is yeah. to him. There is, but you don't introduce you and go likes girls, <laughs> do you? You don't feel the need to label James Bond when he appears on TV, misogynistic heterosexual. Fair enough. With a little caption underneath. You never feel the need to do that. Uh, Scott, I'm going to issue an ultimatum. Says uh, says Wallace. Is this one of your famous ultimatums? It may live in infamy. <laughs> I, I 
love the panels when Wallace gets off the bus and gets smaller <laughs> Wallace, and smaller. Yeah, Wallace basically says, oh, by the way, I'm having somebody over tonight, so don't come home. And Scott's like, we're at home! Where yeah. am I supposed to go? And he's just like, bye. And then the panels just get smaller and smaller and smaller in the bottom corner as Scott basically just insults him from the bus with, you suck! Surprising no one. You're a stupid poo-poo head. I had sexual relations with your mum! <laughs> and I can't read the others because they're too small. Oh, I am rubber, you are glue. <laughs> that bit is funny. So he doesn't really have any choice, and so he goes to Ramona. Well, he talks to Knives first, who's right next to him. I'm buying um, the Clash at Demon Head. The Clash at Demon Head, named after the NES video game Clash at Demon Head. Oh, is Only it? Only the band are definitive. And then Scott breaks up with her. Uh, I think we should break up or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> and the panels where he's broke up with her are actually quite heartbreaking. Yeah. She's just got a white background and he's got a black background. And she just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Yeah. And I love that he's got that panel of her looking down. And, and they, they both get smaller and like more far away from yeah, each other. Yeah, which is, is nice, isn't it? It's mm. a very nice visual way of showing that they've just broke apart. Even though, the, you know, as far as Scott was concerned, they were never really together. And then he thinks of Ramona and he's over her. Yeah. And you're like, oh, okay. And I love the bit where it's like, oh yeah, we broke up, but I've got a new girlfriend. Maybe let me meet her. Oh, I just learned the bass from Final Fantasy 2. Yeah, and Kim's like, you are such a d- <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Kim Pine, drummer. Steven Sills, the talent. Young Neil. <laughs> Nobody really knows what Young Neil does. <laughs> this bit was hysterical. There's only enough food here for me and Rami. You're seriously calling her Rami? Not to her face. <laughs> and he does later on. He calls her Rami to her face. Did you just call me Rami? Yeah. It's just something I'm trying out. <laughs> Ramona Flowers, American Ninja Delivery Girl. Age unknown. Everything unknown. Fun fact, unknown. <laughs> Wallace, you should get your coat. And I, I like her. Oh, you got a new haircut. It's like, it's lovely. It's thoroughly hip. Thoroughly hip. Lovely. <laughs> Scott's really quite lame at this date. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so do I get a tour of the apartment? <laughs> well, this is the living room. There's the bed. You've already seen the chair. So this is the only room. Well, no, there's the bathroom. And some of this is genuinely hysterical. Mm. I quite like it. We get the infamous bread makes you fat line. Bread makes you fat? Which he used again in Seconds, his latest book. But at the bottom, in the margin, he's written, sorry. <laughs> Reusing the same gag. <laughs> yeah. Your hair's getting pretty long. Oh, I need a haircut! <laughs> Scott's last haircut. 431 days ago. Three hours before breakup with last girlfriend. Blames breakup largely on haircut. <laughs> I love that the panel is Scott with short, spiky hair. Yeah. But it's drawn as if it's drawn with chalk on a blackboard. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> and then he just has an emotional breakdown. Poor Scott. Mm-hmm. And then Knives gets up miserable. I love that Knives... Uh, not Knives, Kim. I love that Kim dreams of Scott dying. <laughs> well, she's obviously very, very damaged. Yeah. From how he broke up with her in high school. And she's never really got over it. But I love that she walks into work. It's almost 11.30, slacker. He didn't bring me a coffee. I have bad news. I hate you. You hate everyone. You're one of everyone. Kim's such a miserable emo. Yeah. But she doesn't actually have black hair or wear eyeliner. She doesn't. She has... Does she have blonde hair? No, she's ginger, redhead. You're like a total hateful bitch. Have you always been this way? I was a happy kid. 
I can't even imagine. No, you're right. I was totally serious and totally angsty. I probably only smiled and laughed when I was deluded thinking it would make some jerk like me. Who do you think that jerk is she's talking about? <laughs> a guy called Simon. A guy called Simon. Who like before Scott showed up. Yeah. Scott comes in to rent a video. Yeah. This is so dated. It is. At this point. Nobody rents videos anymore. And you're blacklisted. Why? Uh, let's see. Over $10,000 in late fees? I thought you were raised all of that. And I love that she pulls up on the computer why Scott is banned. Yeah. And it says, return the land before time for 36 weeks late. Claims that mice hit the video somewhere in his apartment. Also claims he rented it as a joke. Do not let him rent anything. He is scum. <laughs> I love the idea that that's his official record <laughs> in the video store. He is scum. That was funny. Mm -hmm. This may be the funniest volume of the sex. Because essentially all this he's doing is he's introduced all the characters in part one. So in part two he's just getting to have a little bit of fun with them. Yeah. As well as getting Scott and Ramona into that initial glow of first starting to go out with somebody. Mm. And Scott's still a little bit nervous about it all. And everyone's still a bit of a jerk to him and he's a bit of a jerk to everyone else. I loved the titles of some of the videos. Action Doctor. <laughs> Lame laughs for Mr. Show. Mr. Show's a real thing. Police lawyer cop. Police lawyer cop, yeah. I, I really like. So, why is Lucas Lee evil? Because he's a sellout. Or did he sell out because he's evil? <laughs> because he's got a list of Lucas Lee movies to us. Is Lucas Lee Chris Evans? Yes. Yeah, so Lucas Lee's uh, Captain America. Mm. I love the scene where Ramona walks into the coffee shop where Stacy's working and start talking, and then Scott like looks as though he's having a heart attack. <laughs> well, why does he look like he's having a heart attack? Because his future, his girlfriend and his sister are talking. Oh, so he's just felt a disturbance in the force. Yes. <laughs> Genius. That's the weird ominous feeling he has. Yeah, that's absolutely brilliant. And Wallace and him are sat in their apartment, and did you start watching the Lucas Lee films? If you turn your head slightly, you'll notice one of them's on TV <laughs> right now. <laughs> Can I not can I get back to playing Tony Hawk's Pro Skater? <laughs> it's not called playing, Scott. It's training. <laughs> now do 500 push-ups. I hate training with you. You're a terrible master. I love how Lucas Lee's a pro skater, so his idea of training <laughs> is to, to play, play pro skater. It's genius. I think it's absolute genius. I love the lyrics to their songs. <laughs> I'm so indefatigable! <laughs> come on, come on! That's, that's it. Yeah. Apparently we've made an entire song out of that bit. I love some of the names for the songs, like Underwater Motor Scooter. <laughs> that so sounds like a Manic Street Preacher song! <laughs> Underwater motor scooter. We're going to destroy our stupid, pretentious, crappy art school poser band. Do I detect some latent hostility? <laughs> some of this is very... Oh, he's a Ramona song. He's genius. <laughs> I wrote a song about you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it goes like this. Ramona, 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 Ramona. <laughs> and then there's this breakdown that kind of goes... And then the second verse goes, Ramona, wicked Ramona, Ramona, ooh, Ramona. <laughs> Ramona sat there going, I can't wait to hear it. You know that song made its way into the movie? Is it? Where it was performed by Beck. 
What was that? Yeah. Well, Bet would make a good Scott Pilgrim. It had two versions, electric and acoustic. But, you know, Kanye would probably insist that we give the award <laughs> yeah. that Scott Pilgrim won. We would probably have to give that to somebody else. Now, Bic, I'ma let you finish. <laughs> but Beyonce had the best graphic novel of all time. <laughs> I mean, so she didn't write it or draw it, but it came out under her name. But the man she paid to write it... <laughs> <laughs> You gotta respect that kind of artistry. <laughs> yes, Kanye, we have totally got to respect. It's the Lord, yo, God, I, Kanye West. <laughs> he does think he's that, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear me. <laughs> and we just got onto a rant about Kanye. Yeah. But your head, her head's starting to tingle again. Yeah. With her spider tingle. I, I like how, by convincing Ramona that Scott's not gay, by sharing a bed with a gay guy, he talks about how hot Lucas Lee is. Well, you know. And his idea of what Europe is. Where are your parents? They're in Rome. They're like riding Vespers and eating a spicy meatball and kissing parts of the Pope or venerating them or whatever. <laughs> you don't know anything about Rome, do you? Scott's ideas about Rome. Leaning Tower, spicy meatball, the Pope of Rome, Gladiator, this was a movie, Vespers, are those Italian? Rome is in Italy, right? <laughs> I have tons of ideas about Rome. <laughs> oh, so this is the funniest one of the lot. Yeah. And I like the, the cook with Stephen Stills segment. Just like how in the first one, you can they've got all the chords and the lyrics, so you can play along you with them. You can actually play the song if you want to. You can to. cook along with them here. First, um, is this the first Break of the Fourth Wall reference, where Kim Pine asks how Ramona and, and Scott met, and Scott says, read the book. No, the first one was in the first volume. Was it? Yeah. And then, yeah, then the story just stops. So they can give you a cookery lesson. But I like how it's mixed in as well. Like, one panel is Stephen Stills, the next is Scott, Ramona and Kim. Yeah. And uh, poor Nive just stood outside watching, because she's really a bit strange. She breaks into stalker territory here. Yes, she does, and then she goes to Tamara, who's her friend. To die, uh... Yes, he's dating some fat-ass hipster chick. It's not very nice. And then she dyes highlights in her. So that she looks more like Ramona. Yeah. What's this weird music? The Clash at Diamond Head. They're my favourite band tomorrow and you can't have them. I love all of Ramona's reasons why you can't live in that crappy little hole in the ground. Yeah. No natural light. Tiny bathroom. Tiny kitchen. All items in the apartment belong to a gay man. Not girl friendly. <laughs> I, no, I, I like where it's like no light. There is totally light. No natural light. <laughs> And she gets a cat, and they call it Gideon. Mm. And the cat stays with them for the rest of the, the series. The cat stays for the rest of the thing. Yeah. I like Gideon the cat. Because Gideon the cat kind of just minds his own business, doesn't he? Mm. I like when they go to Casa Loma as well, and it does a thing it does sometimes where it tells you the details and the opening times of it. So is it a real place? Yeah. So you can actually go there if you want to do a Scott pilgrimage? Yeah. You want to in In fact, in the back of the hardback, yeah. they have a section where he compares the photos to the real places. Oh, right. So, he, so there's Scott's parents' house. And it's a real place. And there's Scott and Wallace's apartment, which literally is a garage. Oh, right. And there's the library. And right. there's the Goodwill store. And there's Knife's school. So you could actually go and visit all these places. Yeah. Why has nobody made Scott pilgrimages? I think there might have been. Why is there not a tour... That the, you can the Scott do. Pilgrimage. The Scott Pilgrimage. Yeah. You know, like they do, they do tours of pe- places where people died in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. This This seems a little bit more optimistic to me, mm-hmm. to do a Scott Pilgrimage tour of all the places that uh, he fought evil exes. 
I, I kind of love how Lucas Lee's better than Scott. He takes him out in one punch, and then because he's so much of a sellout, he says he'll let Scott go if he pays him. <laughs> well, and it's uh, Scott wins this one by appealing to his ego. Yeah. Basically. Which is pretty clever. Which is, yeah, Scott actually does have some brains. He just doesn't use them very much, does he? So he has him use that skateboard thing, you know, on those fail army videos that you're always watching, yeah. people trying to do skateboarding tricks where they end up flat on their ass. Mm. And he turns into a big pile of coins. Yeah. And the mithril skateboard. Mm. I, 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 I love that, because he's so right. You know, you play in an RPG game and you get a power-up or a weapon that you should have got the uh, perk for, like, levels ago. Mm. It's a pain in the ass. He got 14 bucks in coins. What a d- <laughs> but he pockets it all. Yeah. He keeps that fourteen dollars, doesn't he? Scott finds out that Stacy and Ramona are hanging out, and he doesn't have his own sister's number, so he asks Stephen Stills for his sister's number. And then he phones up Wallace, and Wallace says, "No, I do not have the cheat code for Sonic." Too. <laughs> and then Nigel and Ramona have a fight. Yes, that is, you know, a big boss fight. And I love that Ramona has no idea who she is. No, Ramona's got no idea what's going on. But there is lots of cool fight moves in it, mm. as if you're playing it on a video game. Was all of this faithfully represented in the movie? I don't even think this was in the I was movie. just going to say, I don't remember Ramona and Knives having any kind of battle in the film. Oh, and then there's the bit with the phone call. Envy mm. Adams. Yeah. Which was his girlfriend in whatever, later on in high school. Oh no, it was only last year, wasn't it? Mm. Before she became big and successful and famous. I liked Envy Adams. Yeah. I ended up liking all the descriptions of her. And my favourite part of this scene as well is when Wallace gets back home. I, I love that page where Scott's an incoherent mess. And Wallace is like, what was it? Is it because you found out that I saved over your Final Fantasy data? <laughs> no, that last time that happened, you were totally crying. Did <laughs> yeah. Ramona dump you? No. Envy. That, the, the panel at the bottom, though, is my favourite. Well, he just says shit. Yeah. Because Envy Adams is back. I love the title of chapter 11, Things Keep Happening. Mm. And then they just all kind of hang around and talk about playing Envy's show. Yeah. And you do get this distinct impression that not really a lot happens. Yeah. But life is like that, isn't it? Sometimes not a lot happens and everything's built around Stop. the important things. Which, in this case, is having your band play with Envy Adams. Why is Envy Adams playing at these ditzy little places if she's a big pop star at this point? Uh, I don't know. Do you think she's just doing one of those things that big pop star bands do to play in this little dive, just because they can? Well, Lee's Palace, because this is a different place than The Rocket, Mm. but Lee's Palace is like... Um, I don't know. It's more of a bigger place. Yeah. Right, so it's a big deal... For Scott's band, Sex bob Yeah, say like, The Rocket is early CBGBs, whereas Lee's Palace is mega super duper famous after the fact CBGBs. Oh, right. I do like Sarah Kim's roommate, H. Hukos, and then there's one that says, I don't know who this girl is. Yeah. <laughs> like, you couldn't even be bothered coming up with who she is. Sandra and Monique, the two bitchy girls, yeah. are based on two bitchy girls in Brian Lee O'Malley's school. Oh, right. And he says in the commentary uh, in the back of the first one, I wonder if they ever saw the movie and uh, noticed. And recognised themselves. That would actually be quite funny. Yes, alright. And then Envy Adams players. Mm. And it is the same Todd. It is. That Ramona dated. Uh, of course, uh, Brandon Ralph. 
Yes. So we finally get to Brandon Ralph. Finally get to Brandon Ralph. So we've had Captain America. Yes. And, and now he gets to Superman. The oh, the Atom. Well, he's more the Atom now, isn't he? He is, yeah. Then he is Superman. That's very true. Yeah. You're more up to date. <laughs> um, you don't even watch Arrow. I don't. Whereas I watch Arrow. Uh, music references in this volume include uh, the mention of the singer of Tragically Hip, Gordon Downer. <laughs> Tragically Hip. Who they're listening to on the radio, calling him a genius. Yeah. Uh, no Doubt, as you mentioned, and the song You Just Don't Exist, which one of the bands played. Uh, is the name of a song on Plumtree's 1997 album Predicts the Future which we've got we've got Predicts the Future we have okay Uh, Scott also wears an Astro Boy t-shirt at band practice before Envy's show Mm. Uh, and what I thought was hilarious was at the show Scott thinks of Mario items when he's asked if he and Ramona are an item He has no idea what they mean, so he's like, what, an item? And he's, he's listed all the Mario items. Um, Brandon Ralph. Yeah. Who isn't Brandon Ralph? Who isn't Brandon Ralph? Todd, what's his name? What was his name? Todd Ingram. Todd Ingram. Any relation to Todd Rundgren, the producer? Probably not. Yeah, you not think? No, I remember probably. at the beginning of the show when I said that Plumtree named the song after a guy called Scott Ingram. Yeah. That's where he got his name oh, from. Alright, so he got his name from that. He's wearing a Punisher t shirt. Yes. Thought that was worth pointing out. Does he wear a Punisher t-shirt in the film? He doesn't, does he? No, he wears a t-shirt with a three on it. Yes, he does. The third evil X. Yes. And does. Scott wears a t-shirt with a zero on it, which is a reference to Smashing Pumpkins. And he is the zero boyfriend. Alright. He is enough. not the evil boyfriend. Yet. Not is he an X? No, but yet. Yes. <laughs> we get to that point later. Used to be one of the best ones, and you liked it for that. Wake up on it, you know. 
uh, Scott Pilgrim and the Infinite Sadness Volume 3 came out uh, the 24th of May 2006 and I don't have the hardcover to this one no you don't have the cool hardcover oh have, no you only got the first two how have you never nagged us for all of them money's you uh, money's I, you I, I, I do nag it's just you know we don't listen you don't You've got sound. You've got barriers over your ears that activate when you hear the words "Can I?" <laughs> yeah. As soon as one of the kids say "Can I have?" we shut down. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Which Michael Michael, as a very youngster, fair play to you. You figured out this very young. We'll see. Normally means no. Yeah. Yeah. None of the other two figured that yeah, out. I ran to Adam once and went, "Dude, you know that means no, right?" <laughs> You are too smart for your own good, aren't you? Yeah. Are you looking through the back of the, the book? I'm just going to browse through the back of the book while you tell us what happened in Volume 3, yeah? Alright, fair enough. After the show, Sex, Bob, and Co. wait and Scott sees a save point. But before he can save his life, Envy and her band come out and call them backstage. They sit on couches at opposite ends of the room in awkward silence looking at each other. Knives tries to grab Envy's attention by telling her how big of a fan she is. Julie brings all the attention to herself by talking to Envy, but Nice interrupts again, and Envy gives the signal to the drummer, Lynette Gucott, who then reveals her bionica by punching the highlights out of Knives' hair. Begging for forgiveness, Knives is sent away, and young Neil leaves with her. They continue to talk, and Envy asks Ramona questions about her life in New York, as though she knows something about her and wants to provoke a reaction. Immediately, Scott leaps up at Todd, but before he can land a punch, Todd goes Super Saiyan, mentally levitates Scott by the neck, and throws him through the wall and into the garbage in the alley. Todd's a vegan. Vegans have superpowers. Hmm. That's because 90% of your brain is made up of curds and whey. Science <laughs> Envy says that she and Todd have been together since they were 11, and doesn't believe Ramona when she says that Todd must have cheated on her with Envy then. Scott flashes back to when Envy was nice and angered, jumps at Todd again but is sent flying back into the garbage. Envy decides that it's late and a quarter of her way through the book, so they should stop and continue their fight tomorrow. Scott and Ramona are left on their own and in the rain, they decide to go and get some food. Conveniently, they find Wallace and other Scots at a pizza place and recap them on the night's events. Wallace has picked up a European guy called Mobile and convinces Ramona to let Scott stay over at hers tonight. Scott lies in bed wide awake and decides to head home in the rain. Turns out he's not as wide awake as he thought, and after knocking on the door constantly to no answer, falls asleep outside. Scott wakes up with Wallace behind him with coffee and Wallace shows him a psychic trick that Mobile taught him that forces every drop of water off of him. It doesn't work for Scott, who falls onto bed with a donut in his mouth. Later that day, they all meet up outside Honest Ed's, a super duper big department store. Todd is told that he can't use his psychic powers inside and Envy counts them down. The two run inside but are blinded by the sheer number of stuff. Scott finds protective eye gear and Todd makes a makeshift gun. Todd breaks down and gives in, letting his Saiyan powers go wild, and then Honest Ed's imploded. Envy sets up another match for Saturday night, but instead of going, Scott and Ramona go out for dinner before heading back to her place. She tells him about her time with Todd. They were together for a time before he disappeared. Turns out he was captured and experimented on by dairy scientists, and he told Ramona all of this after dragging her out of class. To prove his love to her, Todd flew up into the sky and 
through the moon, leaving a hole. The next day, the demon heads have dinner together. Envy goes to the bathroom and Todd orders gelato for dessert, convincing Envy that it's vegan. After she leaves, Todd and Lynette start kissing. Meanwhile, Ramona shows up at Scott's place, where Scott is shocked to see that Ramona has another <laughs> new hairstyle. He hasn't had his haircut yet. Ramona cuts it for him, and Scott carries on telling Ramona about his history with Envy. That night at Lee's Palace, Scott looks for Stephen Stills, who is throwing up in the toilets. Everybody settles in. Scott avoids a group of Chinese girls, Ramona avoids Sandra and Monique, and Scott gives in to his no drinking rule. Crash and the boys open up, but seem to have changed sound, jumping around on stage with lights and music coming from seemingly nowhere. Scott goes out back and finds Envy smoking. The two talk, but Scott is hostile towards her since the breakup. She asks if they can't just talk like normal people, and after a long silence, Scott asks if they had ever spoken like normal people. She laughs, and walks down the alley and into the street. Scott watches her and sees knives sat on the floor against the wall. Inside, Ramona and the group are shocked and surprised when they see Todd and Lynette making out in the corner, but back outside, Scott apologises for the way Envy and himself treated her. She asks if that means they'll get back together, but she's only with young Neil because he looks similar to Scott. He tells her no, and she decides to head home. Back inside, Ramona buys a drink, and Envy stood next to her, says that they recently played a show at a place called the Chaos Theatre, and she's heard what they're saying about her. Ramona panics, and kicks off with her, calling her Natalie. Ramona pulls a mallet out of her bag, and the two fight. The audience supports Envy, but Wallace supports Ramona by distracting and heckling Envy before leaving to go pee. Envy knocks Ramona down, and grabs the mallet holding it over her head, about to strike down at Ramona, until Knives jumps and kicks it out of her hands. Sex Bobum come on stage, before they can play, Scott sees Envy about to attack Knives and Ramona, and jumps down, poking the back of her knee, her one weakness. <laughs> Envy flops onto the floor in bliss, but angrily, she tells him about her and Todd. They were eleven and in love. But one day he went away and every thought that all hope was lost until one day he came back and proved his love to her by flying into the moon. Ramona asks if that's why there's two holes in the moon and that he flew into it before he did it for envy. So then Todd came back, zipping his jeans with knickers on his head, with Lynette not far behind him. Envy kicks off and Lynette prepares to teleport. Envy swings the hammer but only hits her bionic arm, which is the only thing that doesn't teleport away. Todd tries to charm his way to calm down Envy, but she kicks him in the crotch. Mm -hmm. He uses his powers to throw her across the room, but Scott jumps in, hitting him in the face with his base. Todd grabs his base and prepares for a base battle. Todd plays a line that is way better than anything Scott can play, and the power of base sends Scott flying back. Crash and the boys jump in to Scott's rescue and fight Todd. Scott tries to take down the attractive Todd, but the musical vegan sane energy around him barricades him from Scott's attack. There's no way Scott can fight him. What he needs is a last minute, poorly set up Deus Ex Machina, which is exactly what he gets when the vegan police show up to arrest him over the gelato he ordered earlier. No connection. <laughs> Todd prepares to strike, but the police shoot him with a ray from their finger guns, taking his powers away. Scott takes the opportunity to headbutt Todd so hard that he explodes into cards and a one-up one. 
After having defeated the third evil ex, there's still a crowd to play for. And so Sex Bob performed the show. We are Sex Bob and we're here to make you think about death and get sad and stuff. <laughs> the entire event unfold and walks away, turning away from Ramona. The next day in the rain, Scott says goodbye to Natalie as she sits in the back of a taxi. He watches as it drives away, and as he walks away with Wallace and Ramona, the rain stops. To the future, says Wallace. This was good, this one. Mm. Oh, the, all three of these are quite good. Um, I like that Todd's a complete asshole. Yeah. And I do love this idea that he thinks he's somehow superior because he's a vegan. <laughs> and this yeah. somehow makes him better than everybody else. Yeah. Because that is such an accurate portrayal of some people <laughs> who may possibly be vegetarians or something like that, in my experience. You're better than me because you don't eat cows. Yes. I get it. You're Stop <laughs> talking about it. You're stinks better than mine. <laughs> well, it probably does if they don't eat cows. <laughs> so that probably works out quite well. Other than that, this one's actually quite straightforward, isn't it? Yeah, I like the save point, which is a throwaway thing that might come in handy later Well, on. there's a couple of them. He gets a power-up life. Yeah, he gets a Which they will reference later on, won't they? And that Lynette has a, has a bionic arm. That'll come in is... useful. Uh, yeah, there's no explaining that one. No. She just has a bionic arm. Yeah. For no reason. She punches the highlights out of her. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It just gets... It starts getting re- pretty preposterous. Yeah. At various different places. Every actually sounds like she has some decent songs, though. Yeah. Her lyrics aren't quite as... Well, she was the one who made it. I like the description of her. The description of them somewhere. She's got a really good angular pop sensibility. By people who obviously wish they were writing for NME. Yeah. Which is quite good. Ramona Flowers wants to get the hell out of here. Age unknown. Scott Pilgrim wants to wake up and realise this was all a dream. K 
Kimpai wants everyone to forget that she and Scott were dating in high school. Julie Powers, bitch. <laughs> Young Neil wants to kind of sort of basically make out with Knives Chow. Knives Chow, no idea what she wants. Because the only one who really changes over the course of the story is Knives. Yeah. Because she starts off as a pretty crazy teenager and ends up being quite a mature adult by the end of it. By the last one, yeah. So you could argue that it's her story then. Yeah. Even though it's Carl Scott Pilgrim, because if a story is about the person who changes, Knives is the one who changes the most. But so does Ramona. Ramona changes as well. Not the most. Not the most. There's a lot of... Do you think Scott does? I think so, yeah. Do you think? By the end of it, he's definitely matured. But a lot of it's because of Ramona. Like, Ramona's arc is... She's running away, whereas... Essentially, at the beginning, she's running away, whereas she changes when she faces what she's running away from and accepts everything. Mm. So everyone changes, it's just, I guess... To different levels. I, I, I guess Knives grows up. Yeah. Well, if a story's supposed to be about the most important event in your life, which kind of goes away when you do lots of sequels and serialised yeah. fiction and stuff, this entire year was the most important year of Scott's life. Mm. Do you think he stayed with the Ramona? With the Ramona? Yeah. Well, after the last page? Yeah. Yes. In volume six, I meant. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Unless, you know, the alternate movie ending. Yeah, we don't go with the alternate movie ending. I love that there's another Scott. Yeah, called Other Scott. Called Other Scott, who's Uh, (laughs) friends with with Wallace. And his description is fairly gay. And then Wallace Wells, pretty damn gay. (laughs) I love the bit. The, the, um... Where Wallace says, oh yeah, by the way, I, I don't have any keys, so can I have yours? And Scott's like, but what? How, how, did, how did you, why did you invite a guy over to ours if you don't have any keys? And Wallace just says, well, I assumed everything would work out. And look, it did. <laughs> it's bodes well for my future. <laughs> and Ramona starts being a little bit. Well, hasn't she just, she's found out about knives now, hasn't she? So she's not well, entirely sure that Scott can be trusted. She did in the last issue. Well, that's what I mean. She found that in the last volume. That's carried over she's to this volume. She's fine with him. Well, you know. I guess she's more annoyed about Envy, really. Well, he split, he split up with Envy. That was before he even knew her. I guess, but... <laughs> okay, fair enough. I like Wallace's way of drying off. Yeah, what Mobile taught him. Yeah, just you spread your chi all over the surface of your body and then just... Uh, and the water just jumps away. I, I love how when Scott does it later on to remember. Do you what, need to get the toilet, dude? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He, can't, uh, he can't do it as well. He just collapses on the floor. With a donut in his mouth. I like that he's still got that poster up. And then he has a flashback to when he first met Wallace, which is exactly the same as when he met Lisa Miller. Hmm. I love the bacon bit as well. It's like, everything is not bad. You smell this, this is bacon. You smell it, you smell I smell it. Everything is not bad. <laughs> Today a child is born unto us and his name will be Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> why, why is Wallace best friends with its Scott's parents? I don't know. He just kind of knows him, doesn't he? It's absolutely yeah. fabulous, Mrs. Pilgrim. He just ingratiated himself into the parents. I like how it's the the moon has had two holes in it since volume one. And that's where they came from. Yeah, if you go back to volume one, the moon has two holes in it. And now we find out why. And Kim Pye's description of Honest Dads is hilarious as well. 
You know when a baby's born and it's crying just because of the sheer terrifying horror of being alive? <laughs> what is all these heads? Is it just a giant ball? Yeah, I'm assuming. Because they go in, the stark existential horror of honest heads, and get lost. <laughs> and it's this really scary place. Is that a real place as well? I'm assuming, yeah. And then honest heads imploded. <laughs> and Wallace has a mushroom umbrella from Mario. Is that what that is? Yeah. Alright, okay. Another game reference. Mm-hmm. Full of them. It is. I'm glad you're here to, to explore these things. Uh, more lyrics that are brilliant. It's not me, it's you. <laughs> Make no mistake, you're having your cake, you're eating it too. Ba ba ba. <laughs> oh dear me, these aren't the best lyrics in the world, are they? But, you know, people have had successful pop breakout hits with worse lyrics. Yeah, that they didn't write themselves. That they didn't write themselves, so, you know. I love the bit where Kim Pine says she's got a hot date tonight. I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. I was like, did not even consider that I might actually have a date tonight. Yeah, one hell hell of a catch. You're a damn fine woman, Kim. Damn fine. Whatever. Just play the set list again. I do like Kim. (laughs) Can we kind of stop? I keep thinking of uh, envy and getting turned off. I think I'm having the opposite problem. (laughs) I can't believe he said that to his girlfriend. (laughs) Uh, She was just going to slap him. But, you know, they have a, a big, long conversation instead. Yeah. Awkward adolescent slobbering when Todd kisses her. And a bit later on where he's kissing Lynette and Ramona says, oh, so he never got better. <laughs> yeah, you thought he would have got better at that, but <laughs> apparently not. Who are those pictures of? Don't know, I think they're just billboards and stuff. Right. And Ramona's showing a bit of an interest in Kim. Kim's nice. Dramatic music is playing. <laughs> oh, uh, Todd, you're incorrigible. I don't know the meaning of the word. Brackets, <laughs> he really, really doesn't. doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. More flashbacks. Yeah, and they've now got a gross point blank poster on the wall. Yeah. Because, yeah, students were into that for a bit, weren't they? <laughs> gross point blank's a pretty good film, you ever said it? No. I'm trying to make out what his comic books are on the floor. Oh, X-Men. Which makes sense because he references the Australia era of X-Men mm-hmm. at some point, doesn't he? You know, it's kind of sad seeing all the flashbacks. Because mm. Natalie used to be nice and then changed when she got popular. And there's a sign in the toilets as well saying this is for, um, we advertise here because we know people like to pee. <laughs> it's a good place to actually put an advert because yeah. they've got a captive audience when you're stood at the urinal having to pee. Yeah. I mean, it's not terribly good in a nightclub because chances are you're drunk and won't remember what's going on. Yeah. But, you know, some motorway service stations, mm-hmm. you know, for a good time, that's where you would put the advert. <laughs> yeah, that's what George Michael uses. Allegedly. <laughs> We are the boys and Crash! Looks like Crash and the boys have had a hostile takeover. Yeah, they just have power gloves and goggles and just jump around the stage now. I love Kim Pine. Alright, so basically they've turned into what's it that you like? Yeah. They've turned into, oh, Tron people. Daft Punk. Daft Punk. The more, what's his name? He's got Hulk hands on. Yeah. And Flaming Lips used to wear Hulk hands, didn't he? Okay. What's his name? Coin. Don't know. Can't remember his name. So he turned into. So they basically turned into the flaming lips. Meet Daft Punk. Fair enough. I like the really quiet gay guy that um, what's her face knows Kim's friend. It's like, oh, we're only here because he, he he thinks the bassist is hot. Oh, is he hot? He's hotter than the flames in hell. You bitches will burn in. <laughs> I like 
when he meets Envy, apropos of nothing at all, Brian Lee O'Malley just explains what she's wearing. Solid gold arm thing, expensively skanky dress, shiny stockings, not cheap, $900 boots, total cost of outfit, $50 million. <laughs> and you're like, I don't think it was. Uh, and he still calls her Natalie. Yeah. Rather than Envy. And she says he's the only one who'll get away with it. Which is fair enough. Which is why when Ramona says it later on... She slaps her. Yes. I was obsessed with this guy, Simon. Putting his picture in your locker obsessed? Or sacrificial pagan ritual obsessed? <laughs> Funny line. Foreshadowing with the cast theater. And then there's the uh, subspace briefcase. I love that she's got the subspace briefcase. Storage capacity unknown. Yeah. Because that reminded me of Sport Billy. Well, you don't remember Sport Billy, do you? It was a cartoon when I was a kid. He had an Omnisack. Right. And basically he would just reach into his Omnisack and pull out whatever he wanted to pull out of it. I did like Sport Billy. Sport Billy was a great cartoon. Uh, And Ramona and Envy get into a big old fight. I love that. More high kicks! (laughs) She's got a skirt on. I love Wallace in this bit as well. She's easily distracted, Ramona. She's only got a little brain. (laughs) Envy's all look. She's just a pretty boy. I am not a boy! Yeah, Wallace is quite funny. Got a pee. Be right back. (laughs) I hope your boyfriend likes delicious pancakes, because that's what you're going to be. Why does Knives jump in the way? Don't know. Oh, poor Knives. Because she wants Scott to be happy. I only want his happiness. Your music's not even that good! Yes, yes it is. <laughs> and then Kim Pine comes. We are sex pop on. We're to make you think about death and get sad and stuff. And then Scott pokes the back of uh, Envy's knee. Which he said earlier. Yeah, he, well, he says she has one special weakness and Ramona doesn't want to hear it. Why are they all dressed in black, weird gothic suits for this gig? Don't know. They don't normally wear suits. They don't. And Kim Pine especially is dressed like a gothic Lolita, is the description. That she made the other night when she said she had a hot day. Mm. Did she have a hot day? No, she was making that dress. Alright. I, I kind of like as well that um, Ramona says, oh, how do you know how to do that? And Scott says, well, when we were making out, I would... And Ramona says, stop, 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 stop right there. <laughs> and then the flashback to when they were 11 is drawn like in pencil. Yeah. And crayon. Which was a nice touch. I quite like that. And then we switch back to reality. Two holes in the moon. Mm-hmm. And then Todd gets arrested. Now, this is quite risky. He walks out of the what's it, out of the toilet, zipping up. And then Thingyo walks into the back of him. That's that's some... I was going to say subtle, but it's not subtle, is no, it? No, it's not. It's not when he's got her underwear in his head. No, it's not subtle at all. You're so fired. And he's up his own ass that uh, he, he thinks he can calm her down. And then she kicks him in the crotch. Yeah. Oh. Todd's weak point is his nuts. <laughs> Destroy all vegans. And then they have the base battle fight. The base battle fight's actually quite cool, isn't it? Yeah. And Crash and the boys come and help out. Yep. And you know, he does actually look a little bit like Brandon Ralph. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love the vegan police. A, a, a badly set up Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, I like that they set up what this story needs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's um, the line that I quoted in the synopsis as well. They don't say it in this. It's it's in the film. But when Envy says, oh, gelato, like what? He said, oh, it's milk and eggs, ma'am. But in the film, um, they say, oh, gelato, and they just go, yeah, it's milk and eggs, <laughs> 
popped in Scott's head. Yeah. And Scott's like, what is that? And everyone, I think it's an extra life. It's an extra life. It's scurrying me. <laughs> think that'll come useful uh, in volume six. Yeah, could do. I suspect that it will. And Crash and, and uh, Sex bob take over the show. And do quite well. Mm. Todd Ingram is a d- and he isn't that hot. Yes, he is. And then there's the guy in the glasses watching. Yeah, you think he'll come in useful later. Because yeah. Scott's spider sense tingles there as well, doesn't it? It does. Mm-hmm. And then we have the nice little scene at the end. Yeah, where he says goodbye to Envy. And so that's that's my jumper. Oh, do you want it back? No, no, it's fine. No, you can keep it, because I steal all my clothes off Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still doing it. I kind of thought we'd get a hug or something. I'd have settled for it. I like your haircut, Scott. <laughs> I love that he's not a guy who dwells on stuff though either. He just has a minute and goes, Alright, I'm fine now. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone. I've let it go. Great. Time for lunch. And the end of volume three. And that's it. Yeah. That's the end of And the Infinite Sadness. So there's three more volumes to cover next week, which I presume we will do next time. The conclusion. Yeah, the conclusion part of Scott Pilgrim versus the whatever they want to call it. And possibly the movie. And possibly the movie if we get time to watch. Alright, well, we're done then. Is that it? We're done. I guess so. Alright, you got nothing else to add on this one? I guess not. Alright, fair enough. Alright, more Scott Pilgrim next week. We'll see you then. Bye bye. Goodbye. is a The Devil Will Find Work for Idle Hands to do productions. The music and sound clips used in the show are copyright their respective copyright holders and are used for review and illustrative purposes only. And no infringement is intended, so don't send your phalanx of highly paid lawyers after us as we have no money. Certainly this show was not turned into a lucrative revenue stream as no money is made from this either, which vexes us. The opinions of Michael and Andrew expressed in the show are the opinions of Michael and Andrew and no one else. They own them, cherish them, and look after them, but are probably not to be taken too seriously. New episodes drop every Thursday at twotruefreaks.com and Hey Kids Comics is a part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, your one-stop shop for a plethora of truly fine shows. Join in the fun. We have a website where you can see the covers of the comics we've covered at www.heykidscomics.webspace.virginmedia.com and we can be emailed directly at heykidscomics.virginmedia.com We can also be friended on Facebook by using Hey Kids, all one word as the first name, and Comics as the surname. We also have a forum, www.forumforgeeks.com We do hope you enjoyed this episode of Hey Kids Comics.